Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. Uh, as always, I'm Derek, and I am joined by Brandon, the best in the business. Brandon, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited. Just watched the long-ass movie. Long-ass movie. I mean, okay, so we're still, we're, we're finishing off Quentin Tarantino month, and uh, this last movie that we did was The Hateful Eight. Obviously, neither of us saw when we were kids because it just came out very recently. But, you know, it's a Tarantino movie and it's not a bad movie. I want to say that from the gate. Um, but it's long as fuck. It's a Western. Um, it's a Western starring a great cast of people, Walter Goggins and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Lee and um, Channing Tatum. Got to make sure I say Channing Tatum uh, and Bruce Dern. Like, there's a great cast of people. It's just a really long movie. Mm -hmm. It felt like this was the movie that just like Kill Bill, he could have split it in half and would have been just fine. Um, except for the fact that all of the... It's... So, The Hateful Eight is a Western... Mixed with a, you don't want to call it a who done it. It's a is they gonna do it because they know from the gate that somebody. Okay, so first of all, fuck uh, Harvey Weinstein, always. Um, this movie starts off with Hangman John Ruth. Uh, taking his bounty, Daisy Demergue, um, to hang. Like, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. Uh, he's taking her to hang, and um, they're in a, a stagecoach that's being uh, taken towards, well, they're in Wyoming, and they're in the stagecoach, that is on its way to um, Red Rock, Red Rock, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And they, um, as they're riding along, he and Daisy Demergue, uh, because the hangman is a bounty hunter and Daisy is wanted dead or alive for $10,000. I think it's important that we say that she's wanted dead or alive. And also it's important to say that John Ruth is stupid. Yeah, he doesn't pick up on contest clues very quickly. Not at all. Everybody else, it's like everybody else is playing a joke on him and he never realizes the joke that's being played. Um, Because as they're riding uh, in the snow, uh, a blizzard's coming. And as they're riding through the snow, they run into General Marquise Warren, uh, who asks if he can get onto the stagecoach because it's cold as shit outside and he don't want to die. His horse died already. He don't want to be next. Um, John makes him show that he doesn't have any, uh, that, you know, makes him show he doesn't have any weapons, things of that nature and lets him on, and they're talking because they're both bounty hunters. Um, 
John asks if he knows who Daisy Demergue is. And Marquise like, no, nah, I've never heard of her. John tells him who she is and says that she's worth $10,000 dead or alive. And Marquise asks the question we're all wondering, which is if it's dead or alive, then why is she alive? Because he's the hangman. Because he's the hangman and she got to hang. She gonna hang for her crimes. She gonna hang. That's my job. She gonna hang. That's the whole thing. That's, that's the whole reason. Um, Everybody back in the Wild West had gimmicks. You had to live up to your gimmick. This ain't wrestling. Put her to sleep. (laughs) Put her to sleep. If they giving you an option, like I don't think there were a lot of bounties where they were giving you options like that, but if they giving you an option, nigga, put her down. It's like like a home alone, the wet bandits. You got to turn the water on. You got to have your, you got to have your gimmick. Ooh. The water bills they ran up still they can get them hands you gotta have a gimmick oh they keep riding and they run into chris mannix the son of um a confederate officer uh who ran a group called mannix's marauders and obviously Chris being a part of the Confederacy uh, immediately takes a strong dislike to uh, Marquise Warren, um, who's a black man and who isn't a part of the Confederacy. Um, Yeah, hold on one second, Brandon. So, um, Marquise and Chris uh, obviously have unspoken issues that they need to work out. But before that happens, um, John is talking. Well, first of all, every time Daisy does something John doesn't like, John is quick to smack her, punch her in the nose elbow in the face and at first i was like damn he just abusing this one but then we realized she's like a, a part of a, a murderous gang and he's a jerk in his in his own right so he's like yo i'm gonna abuse you all the way to the hangman if i got to but when i elbow you in the nose that means you shut up you got it and she's just like nodding and grinning through it and smirking and shit i think jennifer jason lee played a really great role in playing he must have done some real damage to have a ten thousand dollar bounty because uh, Samuel Jackson had three people who only equaled eight. Mm-hmm. And, and she was 10K by herself. They were, he was, um, Samuel said, well, you know, I'm not even uh, trying to get your bounty because I have these 8,000 right here. And John was like, nah, you could be, you could be still trying to get mine even past getting, I mean, because 10,000 is good, but 18,000 or 8,000 is good, but 18,000 is even better. Um, but it turns out that John Ruth and uh, Warren had previously bonded over um, Marquise Warren's 
letter from Abraham Lincoln. He has a letter from the president. He and the president are pen pals. And um, it just warms John's heart every time he gets to read it. Like you think he's about to tear up every single time. And he actually, uh, as he's talking to uh, Marquise, the first time that he asked Seal letter again when they're in the uh, when they're in the uh, stagecoach together, you actually see that he's getting like damn near choked up talking about the letter like hey 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 um you got it with you um so uh can can i can i see it and then he reads a letter and it's a you know it's it's a letter it's nothing impressive except it comes from the president Nowadays, folks get form letters from uh, Joe Biden all the time. But back then, you know, to get a handwritten letter from Abraham Lincoln, it meant something. Well, mm -hmm. you still got it? I still got what? The Lincoln letter. Of course. Got it on you? Mm -hmm. Where? Right here. Look, I know you gotta be real careful with it and all, and I can imagine you probably don't like taking it in and out of the envelope all that often, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd sure appreciate seeing that again. You're right. I don't like taking it in and out of the envelope that much. Yeah. But seeing how you saved my life and all, I suppose I can let you read it again. takes his time to read it to himself and old Mary Todd's calling me back in. He's reading and getting sentimental about it and all that kind of shit. And while he's reading it, Daisy, who's sitting right next to him because he's handcuffed to her, looks over at the letter that John is holding and hocks a loogie and spits on the letter. Yeah, no respect for that letter. At all from the gate. And Marquise punched her so hard that she flew out the carriage that they were riding in and landed in the snow. They get back up, they get into the back into the carriage. Um, John's like, you better not mess up his letter. She didn't, it's all good. Um, and they're riding and they see again, uh, they see uh, Mannix, Chris Mannix. Uh, John's like, yo, why are you on your way to Red Rock? And Chris is like, because I'm the new sheriff of Red Rock. John's like, bullshit, they ain't gonna let you, somebody from the South, be the new sheriff of Red Rock. And he's like, well, I guess they did. <sighs> and then he's talking to Marquise and he's calling him Mark West the whole time. <laughs> Until he stops calling him Mark West and just starts calling him Black Major for short. <laughs> Black Major. 
I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really do just enjoy um, Walton Goggins' role in this film. I think that he was. I think he was an excellent. So they uh, end up riding up to Minnie's haberdashery, which is the lodge. And when they get there, they're greeted by Bob. That's his whole name, just Bob. And Bob is told by John to put the horses away and have the two freeloaders that are on the uh, in the carriage still there or the wagon, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, help him take the horses to the uh, the barn before they freeze. Uh, when they while they're doing that, John and Daisy go inside the uh, haberdashery, which is actually the door is nailed shut because it won't stay closed. Nobody ever really references this. They just accepted this fact that, hey, we got to nail the door shut every time we come in. Otherwise, it's going to blow back open because of the wind. Bob and uh, Chris and Marquise are putting the horses away. And Marquise asks um, Bob, hey, where's Minnie? And he tells him, well, Minnie and uh, Sweet Dave, uh, they went out of town. They went up north. And Marquise is like, they went up north? And Bob's like, yep, they went up north. And he's like, um, and they left you in charge. <laughs> he's like, yeah, they left me in charge. He's like, huh? You? Yeah, they left me. He asked him like three times just to make sure. And initially, you don't really know why he's asking over and over again. Are you sure they left you in charge? But he's like, are you calling me a liar? And Marquis says, not yet. <laughs> and they uh, get the horse taken care of. And then they go back into the... Um, he always writes Samuel Jackson as a perspective person who who always sees through shit mm-hmm. in all his movies. And he saw through this real quick, like. So, hold on. Did you say your name was again? Bob. Warren. Many a sweet Dave in there? Minnie and Sweet Dave went to visit her mother on the north side of the mountain. What? Yeah. Minnie ain't here? Yes, they're visiting her mother. Her mother? Yes. <laughs> Never knew Minnie had a mother. Everybody's got a mother. Yeah, I suppose. And she left you in charge. See? <laughs> that sure don't sound like many. Are you calling me a liar? Well, not yet, eh? Just sounds peculiar, though. What sounds peculiar? Well, first off, many never struck me as the sentimental type. But secondly, I can't imagine Sweet Dave lifting his fat ass out of his chair long enough to fetch well water unless Minnie was laying a frying pan upside his head, let alone taking trips to the north side. Well, that sounds a whole lot like you're calling me a liar, Minero amigo. 
<laughs> yeah, it do sound a whole lot like that, don't it? But I still ain't done it yet. Many still serve food? Do you consider stew food? Yes. Then we serve food? She's still stinking up the place with old quill pipe tobacco? Minnie doesn't smoke a pipe. She rolls her own. Red apple tobacco. A mi negro amigo, I think you already know this. Yeah, I do, senor Bob. Just seeing if you do. So, they go back in and uh, they meet Red Rock's new hangman, uh, Oswaldo Mowbray, um, who's shocked, <laughs> like literally shocked to see the new sheriff there. The sheriff is like, hey, do you got the paperwork for some guy? And he's like, yeah, right here. And somehow he actually has it. Like, whoa, what the fuck? Um, and Joe Gage, who's a cowboy, and Sanford Smithers, uh, who's a Confederate uh general traveling to bury his son john ruth tells them all to disarm except for uh marquise warren uh so then they're sitting down they're all eating dinner they're eating stew and chris mannix who's a fucking asshole decides that now's the best time for him to Asked to see that fucking letter. Mm -hmm. So, how you doing, Black Major? I ain't <laughs> in the mood, Chris Manning. Leave me be from your hawk shit. John Ruth says you got a Lincoln letter. I told you, jackass, go he haul someplace else. That's right, John. You did say that, did you? Yeah, I did. So, you got a letter from Abraham Lincoln? Yes. The Abraham Lincoln? Yes. Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States? Yes. Of America? Yes. Wrote you a letter personally? Yes. Personally as in dear Major Warren? No, personally as in dear Marquis. Dear Marquis, Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States of America. Yes. May I see it? No, you may not. But the way John tells him, you weren't just some random nigga soldier picked from a pile of letters. The way John tells him, y'all had a correspondence. Yes. The way John tells it, y'all was practically pen pals. Yes. And a pen pals, Practically a friend. <laughs> John Rue, you really think a nigger drummed out of the cavalry with a yellow stripe down his back was practically friends with the President of the United States of America? <laughs> John Ruth, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but ain't nobody in Minnie's haberdashery ever corresponded with Abraham Lincoln. 
least of all, that nigga there. <laughs> Was all that horseshit? Of course it was. It's true what they say about you people. Can't trust a fucking word comes out of your mouth. What's the matter, John Rue? I hurt your feelings. As a matter of fact, you did. I know I'm the only black son bitch you ever conversed with, so I'm gonna cut you some slack. But you got no idea what it's like being a black man facing down America. The only time black folks are safe is when white folks is disarmed. And this letter had the desired effect of disarming white folks. Call it what you want. I call it a dirty fucking trick. Everything that Marquise just said to John went right over his head because Marquise is literally saying, my letter that I made up from Abraham Lincoln made it so them racist white folks like you would accept me. And John was literally deferential. No, I think it was... It was a letter for people, for white folks who don't think they're racist. Like John. Yeah. Who might be, who might, who is probably racist, but doesn't think he's racist. Mm -hmm. Because the the racist white folks were like, were like, um, what's their face? Going to spit on the letter. Like, fuck your letter, like Daisy. But someone who doesn't think themselves to be one of those people would be like, oh, oh, you you know, I like Abraham Lincoln. It's like, I voted for Obama. I voted for Obama too. And that's John right there. And as soon as John uh, finds out the letter ain't, ain't real, he immediately turns Karen on him. I guess it's right what they say about your people. Who would have known at this point how the relationship between Mark West and uh, Chris Mannix was going to evolve? Yeah, I, I would have never saw it coming. Um, so then after that, um, Marquise goes and sits down uh, with uh, Sanford Smithers, General Smithers and uh, uh, this is probably the second to last that we're going to play So, how's life since the war? Got both my legs <laughs> With my arms, I can't complain. Got a woman? Fever took her start of this last winter. Hmm. What was her name? Betsy. Georgia gal? 
Augusta. Man, a boy, Augusta girl. <laughs> I used to raise Kentucky horses. Her pa was the owner of the breedership where I bought most of my ponies. good deal on her. Took the steak he gave me and bought a bunch of peach orchards. Set myself up pretty well. Did a hell of a lot better than either one of my no good brothers, that's for damn sure. Hey, boy come up here a few years back. He spoke highly of his mama too. You knew my boy? Did I know him? Yep. Yeah, I knew him. You did not know my boy. Suit yourself. Did you know my son? I know the day he died. Do you? No. You want to know what day that was? Yes. The day... He met me. This shit is dope. This whole scene is dope. Mm -hmm. The revenge that he gets on uh, Smithers' son. Like, yo, if you want to live, why don't you get down on your knees, on your white knees, and suck my big black Johnson. You think he was telling the truth? No. You think he was lying? I think he was baiting him. It worked. It really did because Smithers reached for the gun and that gave Warren a chance to shoot and kill him um, because Smithers executed a gang of black prisoners of war in the Battle of Baton Rouge. So... Warren initially was asking him about that, and this gave him the chance to get revenge for all of his, uh, for all of, for, for the culture, essentially. Now, while that shit's going on, somebody poisoned the coffee that everybody was drinking. Um, initially, when they came in, the coffee tasted like shit. So John Ruth made some new coffee, and everybody was enjoying it. But then during the confrontation, somebody poisoned the coffee. And John Ruth and OB, the uh, stagecoach driver, kept drinking the coffee after it was poisoned. It killed OB immediately. Uh, and John Ruth uh, attacked Daisy after he found out he was poisoned and he just threw up blood all over her. And then he died. Um, after that, uh, Warren or uh, Marquise uh, disarmed um, Daisy and left her shackled to John um, and had the others at gunpoint. Remember, he's the only one who's got a weapon. At this point in time, he's joined by uh, Chris Mannix. L let me go back one second and say this. As they're coming up the hill towards the haberdashery, they realize, okay, somebody in here is probably going to murder you to set her free. 
that's like a, 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 a unspoken truth that there's going to be somebody in here who's against me, who is striving to, you know, get her loose. Mm-hmm. So it's, you should, but there's nowhere they can go. It's nothing much you can do. No. At that point, you're stuck in the fucking place for two days. Because of the blizzard. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, uh, Marquise gathers everybody up. And he's, again, standing with Chris Maddox, who he's the only person in the house he believes is actually innocent. Because right before OB died, Chris is about to take a huge gulp of coffee. And if you poisoned it, then you ain't going to be sipping none of that coffee. Um, and then, uh, Warren, uh, Marquise, uh, goes over to the chair that Sweet Dave is usually sitting in and he notices that it's stained with blood. Uh, he goes back to talk to Bob and he's like, Bob, you know how I know you're guilty? Because on that wall, there used to be a sign. That sign said, no dogs or Mexicans allowed. They took it down about two years ago. You know why they took it down? He went to the. Why did they take it down? Because they just started letting in dogs. <laughs> which is the ugliest guy did it, which makes it you, Joe Gage. So I take it you deduced the coffee was poisoned while you were murdering the old man. Yes. Well, my negro amigo, during that whole incident, I was sitting on that side of the room playing Silent Night on the piano. Oh, I ain't say you poisoned the coffee. I said you didn't make the stew. My theory is you working with the man who poisoned the coffee, and both of y'all murdered many Sweet Dave and whoever else picked this bad luck day to visit Menace Haberdashery this morning. And at some point, y'all intended to bushwhack John Root and Free Daisy. But you didn't count on the blizzard, and you didn't count on the two of us. Hmm. That's far as I got. How am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're a real imaginative nigga, Angel. So, do you intend to murder me based on a far-fetched nigger theory? Or can you prove it, cabron? <laughs> it ain't so far-fetched, Senor Bob. And it's a little bit more than a theory. How long you say you've been working for many? Four months. Hmm. See, if you'd have been here two and a half years ago, you'd know about that sign used to hang up over the bar. Many mentioned that to you? No. You won't know what that sign says, Senor Bob. No dogs or Mexicans allowed. <laughs> 
The minute hung that sign up the day she opened this haberdashery. And it hung over that bar every day till she took it down a little over two years ago. You know why she took it down? She started letting in dogs. Now, many like just about everybody, but she sure don't like Mexicans. So when you tell me Minnie went to the north side to visit her mama, well, I find that highly unlikely. But okay, maybe. But when you tell me Minnie Mink took the haberdashery, the most precious thing to her in the whole world, and left it in the hands of a goddamn Mexican? Well, that's what I meant in the bond when I said that sure don't sound like many. Now, I am calling you a liar, Senor Bob. And if you lying, which you are, then you killed many. And three days. Now, here's my problem with this movie, Brandon, and please let me know if you feel the same way. If not, it's cool. felt like this movie wanted to be too much, but it didn't actually bring the things to the table that it needed to bring in order to be more than what it was. Like, it, it, it's a beautiful Western. It has wonderful dramatic lines. It has wonderful monologues and, and soliloquies and all that kind of stuff. But then it also wants to be a mystery movie, it feels like. Or it just wanted a twist. Yeah. But here's the thing about the twist. You can't have a twist when the person who the twist is based on doesn't show up until the very end of the movie. But I think but Tarantino always does things like that. It's kind of like this ominous, like this this thing that you're always hear about in the background and then he ties it up at some point throughout the movie and so they're like we're gonna go to Minnie's and then it's like where's Minnie and then he's like Minnie ain't here and then he's like eh, that don't sound right but I'll come back to it later and then he comes back to it later like hey man that don't sound like Minnie I'm calling you a liar now and then you get the reveal and the reveal is that a Another person has been hiding underneath the building this entire time and shoots Marquise in the nuts. Um, while this is all happening, uh, Chris Mannix shoots uh, the hangman, Mowbray, who shoots him back in the leg. And then um, Joe Gage just, I don't think he gets shot at this point in time. He said he had no gun. He didn't have no gun, yeah. So then um, the person comes up from underneath the floorboards, and it turns out that it is Jody. J I hate you, Jody. It's Jody, who is played by Channing Tatum and is Daisy's brother. Mm -hmm. uh, Channing Tatum, they didn't have a flashback showing all of them, because when... 
uh, Marquise and um, Marquise, John and Chris first and, and Daisy initially get off their stagecoach. Um, there's another stagecoach already in the stagecoach docking area, I guess. I don't really know what to call it. And so they go in and they're sitting there and they're like, oh, okay. Um, we didn't expect anybody else to be here, whatever, whatever. But um, they showed that they got there earlier that morning uh, to prepare. And the way that they prepared was by killing many. Uh, they shot many. They stabbed Sweet Dave. They shot um, Gemma, I think, Jimmy, uh, the Gemma. black Gemma, the uh, black lady who worked with Minnie. And then they shot a random black dude who said that he had never worked there before. Or that this is his first day working there. Um, and they, they, put, are, they are a gang. They're a gang. They're, Jody is the head of this gang. And um, they are coming there simply because they know that uh, John Ruth and Daisy are coming to this haberdashery and Jody is going to murder John Ruth and set his sister free. Mm-hmm. Um, and they left only General Smithers behind and Jody told Smithers that they plan to rescue Domergue and if he keeps if Smithers keeps quiet about it, he'll get to keep his life. I still haven't figured out what the hell Samuel L. Jackson is doing up in Wyoming. I haven't figured out what none of these folks are doing in Wyoming, including the folks from the South. Because they from Bad Rouge. They ain't nowhere near Wyoming. Ain't nothing near Wyoming. Also, I wanted to point out that this is the perfect place to do a Western now or ever Wyoming. Because it really, I don't even think they had to do any, uh, any real scenery or any type of set design. Well, they shot in Colorado. That works too. But it's the same type of the same type of shit. Just snowy and white and white and white and cold and white. And so it works. And so Jody comes out and um Domergue, Gage, and Mowbray are being held at gunpoint. Um, and then they threaten to kill uh, Daisy if Jody doesn't come out. So he comes out, uh, sort of. Marquise is like, throw your gun out. He throws one gun out. They're like, we know you got a second gun. Throw your other gun out. And they say, now come out slowly. And as he's taking steps out of the, uh, out of, from the basement, Marquise shoots him in the head. Like he's taking Blue too long. Head clean off. Clean off his shoulders. He's taking too long. I'm going to do it for him, which is what John should have done to Daisy in the first place. But then uh, Daisy looks at uh, Chris and says, hey, my brother got 15 strong people waiting to come up here and, and, and get me out of this as soon as the snow stops and they're going to kill you dead. If you kill that nigger, I'm going to let you go. Not only will I let you go, but I'm going to give you the bounty of $10,000. And he was like, the bounty for who? And she was like, well, you can, um, mm, mm. 
you could take Mowbray. I'm about to, Mowbray's like, I'm about to die. You could take me and you could take somebody else and that equals 20,000. Ooh, and you could take um, Bob, whose real name is like Marco the Mexican. You could take Marco the Mexican and you could take English Bill, English Pete, who is uh, Mowbray's real name. And that'll be more than enough because I'm gonna die pretty soon. And they're like, but your brother Jody is worth $50,000. She's like, you ain't gonna touch my brother. You gonna leave him alone. Well, I guess I'm at a standstill. And uh, Marquise is like, yo, Chris, I know you ain't really considering killing me to get this money. And he's like, I'm pondering it. Meanwhile, Chris is bleeding out. Uh, Marquise is bleeding out. The only person who still looks no worse for wear other than getting assaulted by uh, punch, not sexually assaulted, but beaten by John Ruth is Daisy. Um, Warren is sitting there talking with Chris about not taking him out. Um, Gage at this point draws a revolver and gets shot by both uh, Marquise and Chris. And then after that, Marquise tries to shoot Domergue, tries to shoot Daisy in the head, but he's out of bullets. At this point in time, Mannix decides that now nah, I'm gonna go ahead and reject your offer to uh, kill this 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 nigger over here, and we just gonna sit here and wait, and I'm gonna make sure you 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 we get your justice and that you die. Um, and he's about to shoot uh, Daisy, but he faints from blood loss. After he fainted, uh, Daisy is crawling across the floor to a to a uh, machete. She pulls the saw. Hmm? She pulls the saw. Yeah. Saw movie. And she, but she's not chopping off her own arm. She's chopping John's arm off because she's still handcuffed to him. So she chops his arm off. So then she's free and she's about to get up and come over to kill uh, Marquise when Mannix regained consciousness and shoots her dead. Well, doesn't shoot her dead, but he shoots her. He's gonna shoot her dead, but then Marquise persuaded him to uh, hang her in honor of the hangman, John Ruth. So they hang her and she dies. And then uh, they're both laying there bleeding out. They both know they're not going to make it any further. They're going to die. So uh, the very last thing that happens in the movie is that Chris says, hey, you, you got that uh, got that Lincoln letter on you? And Marquis is like, yeah, and gives it to him so he can read it. And now that they know it's a lie, Dear Marquess, I hope this letter finds you in good health instead. I'm doing fine, although I wish there were more hours in a day. There's just so much to do. Times are changing slowly, but surely, and it's men like you that will make a difference. 
Your military success is a credit not only to you, but your race as well. I'm very proud every time I hear news of you. We still have a long way to go, but hand in hand, I know we'll get there. I just want to let you know you're in my thoughts. Hopefully, our paths will cross in the future. Until then, I remain your friend. Old Mary Todd's calling, so I guess it must be time for bed. Respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. Todd, that's a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And that's the end of the movie. I mean, honestly, I know this feels like a quick discussion, but that's because this is a long movie that doesn't really... There's a it, lot of dialogue. A lot of dialogue. They're building a world, and then... The entire movie's set either in the stagecoach or in that, uh, in that lodge. Mm -hmm. So it's two set pieces for the entire film, and it's heavy on acting and dialogue, which, is, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not a lot to discuss, no. because unless, you know... What's you're talking about the specific lines in the film? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really long. Like, really long. Movie yeah, is long. two hours and 47 minutes. And it feels like two hours and 47 minutes. This isn't like... There's... The last movie that I watched that felt long like this was literally Army of the Dead where I thought, okay, this movie's got to be done, and it was only like an hour and 30 minutes into it, and it was like, fuck, there's more movie? You can't watch this at night. You can't watch this when you're tired. It'll put you under. Um, I really did enjoy it, though. I loved it. You know, it's a good movie. The acting is excellent. Like, excellent. Everybody, to me, Walter Goggins was the MVP. I was going to say that. Me too. Me too. I feel like Chris Mannix is just fully fleshed out. I think Walter Goggins is amazing in 95% of the things he does, though. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I still, there's a show that I need to watch. I guess he was in it called Justified. Um, it's a Western starring Tim Oliphant. He plays Cecil in Invincible, too. He does? Yeah. You know what? One of the kids from my basketball team gave me three books. That's the full compendium of mm -hmm. Invincible. And so I've been reading it. And um, I just want to commend them, the, the, the uh, writers, 
as well as the the folks who made the cartoon because it's all the same people but for putting people of color in i know that these books were written uh back i didn't realize that invincible was as old as it is yeah so um well but, kirkman said that he wanted to make some changes for things that he thought would make the story better in the yeah, show it started in 2003 i i didn't know that so I'm reading this book and and the characters that in the cartoon in the in the animated series they put a lot more people of color into the book or mm-hmm. into the cartoon and I appreciate that greatly. Um also you notice that there's some ableist state there's one ableist slur in the actual comic that thankfully will won't show up in the uh animated series at all but i'm really enjoying that too and and him being cecil that makes sense that makes a ton of sense um but yeah no walter walton sorry always incredible he was the best part to me of um ant-man and the and the wasp yeah he was good in that too like there's no movie that I've seen him in yet where he doesn't just show up and show out. I'm trying to think if there's one thing. Oh, he's in the shield. Can't wait till Scar forces me to watch that. <laughs> All right. So we're done with Tarantino. What are we doing next? So you know what? Here's the cool thing about what's, what's happening next. Our next episode is our 50th episode. And for our 50th episode, I wanted to do this right. Which is why for our 50th episode, we are going to be doing a month of, (laughs) uh, I can only call this a month of shit Derek really likes. So the first one we were doing, the 50th episode of Hindsight. And, and we want to thank all of y'all again for checking us out, rocking with us, talking with us, buying the buying our um, merchandise all nine yards. The first movie, the 50th episode. God, I'm so happy to say this. The Crow. One of my it. favorite movies of all time. Literally. No hesitation. It is... Brand or uh yeah, uh Brandon Lee's last role. It's his best role. It is a gothic masterpiece with a horrible villain. I'm not saying a horrible villain like he's a bad villain. I'm just saying that the villain is just poor. But the movie overall just sings to me. Um, I don't know. If anyone else feels that same way, I'm okay with that. But after we do The Crow, the rest of the movies in Derek's favorite movie month, which these aren't, well, yeah, probably. I'm going to have fun with each and every one of these. The next movie after that is Fresh. Tell me you seem fresh, Brandon. Nope. Golly. Okay. Cool. All new movies. Cool. It's on Voodoo. After that, Shantae will be joining us to do Leon the Professional, a.k.a. this movie was much better before I realized just how much of a pedophile undertone it had to it. 
Never seen that either. After that, we're doing the inimitable Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I've seen that. And then we're closing out with my one of my favorite books of all time that got turned into a movie that isn't nearly as good as the book. And I mean that seriously. The Princess Bride. I think I've seen that. So this month is I am going to be over the moon happy with each and every one. Um, we appreciate y'all listening to us. Um, you can leave a review uh, on uh, Podchaser. Um, you can also leave a review on on Apple um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, um, Podcast Addict. Um, in other places, but if you leave review on Podchaser, you can leave review for the show as a whole, or you can leave review for separate episodes, which is also appreciated and dope. Um, you can reach the show on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews, R E V U E S. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at that cool blick nerd, that's B L K, and I'm Rashani. Um, on Twitter, we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's Hindsight Movie Reviews. Um, you can send us a voicemail at 916-633-1537. Um, and our email address is um, Hindsight Movie Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S, at gmail.com. Brandon, you got anything coming up? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, and not this next week, but in the coming weeks, we are going to be uh, doing a show uh, for um, the homeboy Jeff, who does uh, Jeff vs. the World podcast. And my name's and I am not Dave wrestling podcast. Uh, he has a new um, ensemble podcast called Bad Meaning Good. And for that, we are uh, doing Sunset Park. So that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can become a patron member by going to patreon.com backslash single simulcast. Uh, you can help us buy some of these horrible movies, great movies, whatever movies, uh, by going to buymeacoffee.com slash, uh, slash SSC. Thank you so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate you. Um, Y'all have a good day. We'll holler at you later. Peace. Peace. Music for Hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.